You are now listening to My Faithway Podcast. You can now find us on every major platform. And don't forget to visit our Facebook page with live services every Sunday at 10 a.m. Central Time. If you want to become a partner or simply make a one-time donation, please text the word FAITHWAY to 77977. Click send and you will receive a link for further instruction. Feel free to comment on our Facebook Live stream services or visit our page at myfaithway.org. Now let's experience life in a new way. The Faithway. for partnership. And that's the feeling that you want to uh, nurture inside of you. But you need to take it to the next level because that is just God's way of teaching us the beginning doorway to serving and walking with Him. And, and as I was sitting on the front row and the, minister, and the team was ministering and I was being very much ministered to, I was thinking of the fact that I'm 64 years old now. A lot of ministers around the country look to me as a, a little bit of a father in the faith now, which is really weird to me. I'm not used to the feeling. I'm not used to the feeling of people coming to me and asking me for advice. I've been in entrepreneurial work all my life. I, I've never really had a lot of direct input, so I haven't really been fathered in a lot of ways. I've always felt, I've always kind of sought it, looked for it. You know, give me some advice, thank you. But as an entrepreneurial work, in New York City, there's not a lot of people like me. And so now I'm coming to the place because we've been successful, kept it going for over 30 years and, and done a lot of good things. And so they come to me and they, they're like looking for advice. But it's weird because when I was sitting on the front row and I heard the line, God is madly in love with you, I felt like I was eight years old. I felt like I was a child in heaven with God, like I'm his child. I'm not a father figure. I'm a kid. And he loves me. And he's looking out for me. And the more I can feel like that, the more I can kind of get to the mindset that I need to have that God is going to provide for me if I will just love him and be a good kid in the house. As everybody knows, when you're eight years old, you can get a good spanking or two, right? You can, you can do some stuff that gets you in trouble, right? And I was the oldest of a, a real crew of kids. So my mother, who had five kids by the time I was eight years old, she was like, Danny, you're the oldest. If they do anything that's, you know, if they get in trouble, you're going to get spanked. So, you know, that puts a, it was a good move by my mom. She was smart. She was the oldest in her family. Her mother told her that. So from, from then on, I was making sure my brothers and sisters were playing by the rules, or at least if they were messing up, that they were cleaning up before mom got home. You know what I mean? You're not leaving that mess because I'm going to get whooped for that because mom's going to walk in, whoop me, and go, why'd you let that happen? But that's good training. That's good training in the body of Christ. Because as a pastor, that's my job. My job is to help everybody take responsibility for their stuff because I'm taking responsibility, not just for my stuff, but for your training. See, God's going to hold Pastor Kelvin. He's going to hold someone like me 
responsible for the, for the training, the edification, the building up of the body of Christ, the saints of God, so that they can do the work of the ministry. And he doesn't leave anybody out. See, God believes that the, the people in the prisons of Parchment, Mississippi, are called to do their part. So he's got to send somebody who's willing to go there so that they can take their rightful place in the body of Christ. We need each other. We need even them. Society wants to throw them away. Society, some you may think society wants to throw you away. The people of Cuba feel like they're totally neglected, that society wants to throw them away. And then God has to look to and fro throughout the earth for any teachers, any leaders who will love them enough and teach them the right way. Not some United States America condescending kind of a gospel, but a gospel that builds them up to do the work of the ministry so they are never, ever, 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 they never feel unloved or they never feel like they can't do it without you. They could do it without you. Your job is to build them up. Your job is to build the capacity. Let's go to Ephesians chapter 3 now. Verse 14. Now these are two prayers that in my church we pray these two prayers every day. Why? Because we're praying for capacity. We're praying for growth. You can't grow without God's help. So you pray this. For this reason I bow my knees, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, from whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named, that he would grant you, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened. In order to do what God has called you to do, you've got to be strengthened. Strengthened with might through his spirit in the inner man. This is where you get strengthened, in your spirit. This is not about push-ups. This is not about sit-ups. Not about nutrition. Although those are all good things. You've got to take care of your temple. This is about being strengthened in your spirit. It's a form of resolve. When you say, I am a spirit, there's two things that you should think about. One is, you're just stating a fact. I am a spirit. You know, everybody lives forever. Not everybody's going to heaven. Everybody is going to live forever. Some are going to live in a different location than you. They're going to hell. But they're going to live forever. Spirits live forever. You don't want to go to hell. So all you have to do is you've got to ask Jesus into your heart. You've got to say, I believe Jesus is Lord. I believe he's the Son of God, lived on earth, died on the cross, was raised from the dead on the third day. He's alive today, seated at the right hand of the Father, and he's coming back again. I believe it. Jesus, please come into my heart. Can you all agree with that? That's what we really agree on. I believe that Jesus is the Son of God. Amen? But what that does is that, that connects you to the Spirit. It connects you... Not to living forever, but to everlasting life. It connects you to God. Because you're going to live forever whether you go to hell or you go to heaven. So living forever is not the same as everlasting life. You want to be connected to love, joy, peace. You want to be connected to the ability to love each other, long-suffering. You want to be connected to compassion. You want to be connected to generosity, to faithfulness. You want to be connected to the power of God and the ability to make your own decisions. I just walked you through the fruits of the Spirit. Okay, Galatians 5.22. It 
See, in my mind, I see these things, these, these lists that Jesus makes, because when he tells you something, if he says a word, it's got layers upon layers of revelation in it. And those lists help you to layer that understanding into your heart. As a spirit, you are much more powerful. You are much more powerful as, than you are as a mere soul. A soul is your intellect, your emotions, and your ability to make a choice. But when you connect to the spirit, you're connecting to life. You're connecting to the life so- source. And that decision that you make when you say Jesus gives you the ability to discern intellectually, gives you the ability to control your feelings. And because you've made that one right choice, it's going to lead you into right choice after right choice after right choice after right choice. It's kind of like when you have a family. If you choose to be faithful, it's going to keep keep you away from all the rest of the riffraff. I choose this woman or this man, and I'm not going to get into trouble because that that choice determines the rest of your choices. You've made this choice now. All the rest of that stuff is not what I'm thinking about. So now you can build a family, kids, because you're not thinking about finding another woman. You're, You're thinking about building a family, building a business, building your life with the Lord. Because now you're faithful. Now you're faithful, and that choice made that choice. My, my willingness to go into the ministry makes me faithful. That's what I think about. I love you, Lord, and because I love you, Lord, I can love one wife, be the father of one family, be loyal to Kel- Kelvin, be loyal to Faithway, be loyal to faith exchange. If I say I'm going to do something in Cuba, I don't get to not do it. And you know what's so beautiful about being faithful? When God is faithful all the time, it just causes everybody else to be proactive. They begin to trust that he's going to be faithful, and they begin to do something because they know God's going to show up. And it's really powerful because I'm seeing that happen because in 2016, we did what we said we were going to do, and we bought that group the farm. And every day since, because we've been faithful month in and month out, they're making crazy decisions. They're like, well, they've been faithful. We could feed 500 people every day. They've been faithful. We could plant this, these crops. They've been, see, to them, God is using us to be faithful. See, God is using you to be faithful by being part of this church. And because of it, people are making decisions all over the world. See, I look down the road. I look down the road 10 more years to where there's 50 churches all over Cuba. And from there, they're sending the mentality that we're teaching you that you could grow your capacity. That if you stay working the principles of the kingdom, the principles of teamwork, the principles of faithfulness, the principles of just doing your part, the ripple effect of that causes everyone else to take risk, to step out to give their best because they know the supply is coming from behind. They're not afraid to pour out because life kicks your butt when you pour out. You pour out, somebody lets you down. But that's where we, the church, have to demonstrate that we pour out, expect to be refilled, but continue to pour out. But you pour out inside the family. 
just like you do in a marriage. You stay inside that covenant relationship. You pour out to your leadership. You pour. You stay consistent to the ones who do what? Pour it out. Pay it forward. And when you begin to understand this, you understand the power of these two prayers in Ephesians because you can't do it. You can't do it intellectually. You can't do it emotionally. You got to do it by that one choice to get your to get your source from love himself. His name is Jesus. Love himself. The only way you can find him is in the word of God. Love himself. The only way you can ever, ever, ever begin to touch and feel what that is is by doing what you're being prompted and doing what you're seeing other people that you respect that are pouring themselves out. If people are stingy, selfish, and, and, and drawing everything to themselves instead of pouring out, don't follow those people. Because that's not where love is. Love is poured out. Love is completely committed. Love is faithful. Love is compassionate. Love is generous. Love is humble. Love takes risks. I was coming down here, and my daughter had written something as she was uh, applying to med school. And she was talking about, uh, it was her essay for applying to med school. And I hadn't read it in a while. I'd forgotten about it. But the, the first paragraph of the line was, here's why you should let me into med school, because I'm fearless. My father has taught me from a very young age that not only am I to be afraid of nothing, but I can learn anything. I'm capable. I would watch my dad go from a medical clinic to an intellectual property technical startup, and he would go in there and learn it and lead it because he could see that he could learn whatever was required. He understood that God lived in him. This is her, this is her essay. And that he could learn whatever he put his mind to. And that makes me fearless because no matter what. Now, today, she's a surgeon. And she's won awards already because even during her residency, she would open up a woman to, you know, to see what was going on there with her reproductive organs. And then she would notice that there were other things that were wrong in there. But during that same operation, usually what would happen was she would take care of the ovaries or the tubes or whatever, take care of the the hysterectomy or do whatever she had to do. And then they'd close the person up and come back and say, well, there's cancer in there, there's this in there, there's some some cysts in there. And and Danielle would just go in and fix everything. In the same, so the person wouldn't get charged twice. It would just, they'd come out and they'd have three things fixed instead of one. And they're like, Danielle, how, how did you have the nerve to do that? How did you even know how to do that? She said, well, I just saw it was wrong. And I wasn't really worried what you thought. I didn't need your permission, so I just fixed it. And instead of reprimanding her, they applauded her. They said, most of us are scared to do stuff like that. We need someone to, to give us permission. You've got permission. She goes, yeah, I get my permission. And she's laughing because she gets it from God. She doesn't get it from, from us. It's the right thing to do. Somebody's in pain. You don't just say, hey, stay in pain for the next year. Come back, make another appointment. We want to cut you open again. Let's just fix this now. And all her her other um, superiors were saying, that's totally different than the way we teach. She goes, 
Yeah, but you, isn't our Hippocratic oath to do no harm? To cut somebody three times instead of one time doesn't make any sense to me. They're like, you know, we've got to kind of rethink that. But that comes from a faithfulness. It comes from a confidence that is instilled by being surrounded by faithfulness, consistency, to where you start trusting your voice, where you're not afraid to pour yourself out because you know that you're not going to pour yourself out in vain and you're not going to be left hanging because you've got a family and you've got a team and you're running with people who get being poured out, who understand taking risk, who understand giving their best. So let me finish this prayer because you got to learn to pray these two prayers, Ephesians 1, 16 through 20, and Ephesians 3, 14 through 19. Strengthen with might through his spirit in the inner man that Christ may dwell in your hearts. You know, Christ dwelling in your hearts, that's not like just his last name. What that means is God in you, but that Christ concept is God on man, meaning available, practical anointing available to you every day to solve problems and to really make a difference. Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. How do you know it's in there? I was talking to the leaders last night, and I said, the only way you know you got something is if you're giving it away. If you haven't got it, then you can't give it away. If you've got it, you can give it away. And if you're not giving it away, then you don't got it. And here's, and you're going to need faith. You're going to need the miraculous power of God for people you love at some point. So the best way to work that is to practice pouring it out on a daily basis. Why? You just want to know you got it. So don't wait till adversity comes to find out if you got it. So pour it out every day. What does that mean? You're going to be pouring it out to people because your family's not going to need it every day. You're going to be pouring out to people that are not quite as close But what you're doing is you're just getting stronger because it's not a finite resource. It's an infinite resource. The better you flow it out, the more it flows in. And every time it flows in, it's better than what you had when you flowed it out. You get stronger. You get more powerful. And you know what else happens is it gets cool because you know it works. You know it works. People come to me at at my church and go, I lost my job. I don't even get upset. Because I know this ain't my first rodeo. I'm going to release an anointing in your life. I'm going to make a confession. I'm going to pray for you right now. You're going to get a better job than you've ever had before. Right? And you're going to get three job offers, so you get to make a choice. Not only that, it's going to pay more than you've ever had before. It's going to have better benefits than you ever had before. And maybe for the first time, you're going to be working with people who actually like you. And you're going to like them. They're like, I just want a new job. I'm like, I don't want you to just have a new job. I want you to have the best job you ever had. I want you to be happy, but I also want you, more important than you getting a job, is I want you to know that prayer works. And I want you to learn there's a difference between being around people who could just read from the Bible and teach you some social justice message and people who could actually release the power of God. 
See, I can't go into Cuba and just preach some... And when I go to Cuba, I'm not trying to preach a message. I'm trying to release the power of God. I'm trying to empower every single individual in that church to take their rightful place so that they don't cause any strife, but that they pull their weight. But not only that they pull their weight, but they teach others to pull their weight, and that they know that by pulling their weight and doing their job, that they're flowing love, and they can't help it, but they're happy and full of joy while they're doing it. Because it feels good to be full of love. It feels good to have confidence. It feels good that when you put your hands to something, it actually works. Most of us spend our life just going back and forth because half the stuff we do doesn't work. Or the people we're running with are just sitting on a couch doing nothing. You don't want to be around those people. You're not called to be around those people. You're world changers. You're difference makers. You're impactors. Amen? Amen. So let me finish this, and then I want to go through some simple thoughts that will will bind us together. Being grounded and rooted in love. Now watch this. So that you may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the width and depth and length and height to know the love of Christ, which passes knowledge. Now I want you, see, when, when you read that, this is why you need a preacher. Why you need a preacher. Listen to me. The love of Christ. When you think of the love of Christ, what do you think of? You think of how he loves you, right? The love of Christ. He loves me. He loves me. I'm telling you, there's a deeper meaning. You want, let me tell you what it is. The love of the anointing. I will not go anywhere without the anointing. I lo- the anointing is a person. It's my love for him. But it's not just my love for him. It's my love for my unity with him. It's not just my love for my unity with him. It's my addiction to the fact that my unity with him gives me the ability to determine your future by the words that I say. I'm connected to Christ, which is a burden-removing, yoke-destroying power. Cuba is going to be free. Not only that, some of you are going to have an opportunity to not only go there, but to gather resources to go there, gather resources from there, so that you can work these principles of capacity selflessly, You'll know wealth, you'll know resources, you'll, know, you'll be able to move things, not because you got rich, but because you began to understand the flow, the ability to be poured out. This is the, this, the ability to take risk. You can't make money without taking risk. But taking risk isn't what it is. It, it's being poured out. It's serving your client. It's serving people. It's serving in a poured out way, expecting, expecting the flow to come. Now, most people, they, if they get this in business, they, they do well. But I'm not talking about just for business. I don't want you to gain some money in business. I want you to understand the flow of love, comprehending the gift and being in love, the love of Christ, the love of what it is. You don't want to do anything without the anointing. You don't want to do anything without the generosity. Long in your regret, in your bitterness, in your in your fear, 
in your annoyance with everybody else, you want to feel poured out all day. I'm in love. I'm in, I'm extended. So let's finish the scripture. We're going to work through some simple thoughts, and I just want to lay them into your spirit as a beginning place for a common language so that we could begin to commit to a teamwork. I did this in Cuba. I did this in the prisons. Everywhere I go, because there is one body, one mind, one spirit, one Lord, one baptism. And we got to come into the place where oh, they're, the, they're the, this kind of church, and they're this denomination, and they're that. No, we're, there's one vision. And we're being trained to walk in that, to know the love of Christ, which passes knowledge, which passes knowledge. You're going to say, I'm a spirit. Say, I receive this message, right? That you may be filled, not with all knowledge, not with all wisdom, but with the fullness of God, the confidence of God, the creative power of God, the healing power of God, the provision of God, the protection of God. The sovereignty of God, the wisdom of God, the resurrection of God. That's the fullness of God. That's not even, that's just as many English words as I can think. Right? But this is to fool the the fullness of God. How can we even comprehend that? So God comes in and just like I have been listing the fruits of the Spirit over and over again, it's because you have to have them all in your mind. You can't just receive the love without receiving compassion. In which the love is the love of God, the love of God, but the compassion is to pour that forth on other people, right? And then the long suffering is not because you've got to suffer with disease or suffer with lack. It's just the ability to put up with people and like doing it. Every time I meet somebody different from me, it's going to require for me to stretch because God loves that person, and I may not prefer that person. They may not prefer me. Right? I'm not, not everybody's everybody's cup of tea. Amen? So let me drop these in, and I won't go much longer. I want to drop these 12 simple thoughts into your spirit. You found this on the web. <laughs> Number one, we win. Let's play. We're going to start. Let's just determine we're going to win. We're going to be successful. But you've got to understand, when I say we this isn't us against the world. That's we're with God, and God gets to pick who's ever on that team. And honestly, God wants everybody on the team. So you're not against secularists. You're not against non-believers. You're not against some um, political party. You're not against even an ideology. You're just with God. See, with God, all things are possible. And there's no hate in God. There's no envy, covetousness, or strife in God. So when you get that feeling of people annoying you when you're watching the news, you got to just remember, we win. You know, and, and one of my things is I've played enough sports, been successful in sports, to where when you get behind and you know you're going to win, that is the sweetest place to be. I, I know we're pulling this out. I mean, I could talk trash when we're behind better than I can when we're ahead. I love it. I love it. You know, and I'd be playing football, and I'd be the quarterback on the team, and I'd be looking across at the guy, and the guy, we got you this time, Danny. And I'm like, yeah, right. You think so. This ain't over. And then, of course, I'd hear it all week. Well, he's so cocky. Who does he think he is? 
All my life I've been hearing that. It's it's only going to get worse because I'm not cocky. I'm confident in God. We're going to win. You're going to win. So you just got to get on the team with God. We win. And then from that place, now let's play. If you know you're going to win, how much fun is winning? Come on. I, I, I I always love people that don't play sports or whatever. And they say, oh, I'm not competitive because they're, they're trying to judge competitive people. And then you play them in cards, and they're the first one to do a touchdown dance when they win at cards. They're the first one throwing popcorn in your face when they win. You know what I mean? I know. I know. Because winning feels good. Winning is fun, and winning puts a little bit of celebration in your mind. So that you celebrate. That's why you say we win. emotionally, socially, and financially. Why? Because God will heal you up as you begin to pursue your purpose. Asking God, ask, seek, and knock. For what? For your assignment. But not just for your assignment, for the strength, the capacity to walk it out. What does that mean? That means he's got to heal your body. That means he's got to give you money. That means he's got to give you a mind that can solve problems. It all goes to him first. Say, Lord, what do you want me to do? Because then he'll start building your capacity. Anybody need more intelligence and more wisdom? I know I do. Could anybody use a stronger body? I know I could. Anybody use some more money? I know I could. But that's how you get it. You don't go asking for money, a stronger body, and more intellectual capacity. You say, Lord, what do you want me to do? Because he'll give you what you need to accomplish something greater than what you're doing already. Does that make sense to you? I mean, if, you know, if my daughter, not, I don't like to use my daughter because she never really did this. But if somebody comes to me from my church and says, I need money, I'm going to ask him what? What for? What are you going to use it for? I'm not using it for drugs, you know? You're not using it for this. What are you going to use it for? That's what God is saying. Well, I need this. What are you going to use it for? He's going to ask you. What are you going to use it for? Does that make sense? Well, if you're using it for what he built you for, then he's going to give you what you need. So number one is we win, let's play. Number two, we're all called to do something great. None of us can do it alone. That's why I'm here. I need your help. You need my help. We're part of the same body. Right? I don't know why God would send some New Yorker down here. Well, because he's he's putting a little piece of spice in here that needs to be in here. And I'm withdrawing some spice that I need in me. It's a trade. It's a fair trade. It's what I call up in my church a faith exchange. Amen? So we're all called to do something great. Say, I'm called to do something great. And then look around and look at me and say, but I can't do it alone. Number three, no such thing as second-class citizens. That means you don't get to disqualify yourself because you didn't finish high school. You don't get to disqualify yourself for any reason. I don't need to list a bunch of reasons. Right? God has put you on even peel even keel with everybody. And if you're in here, you've, been, you've already graduated up because you're getting exposed to where the true source of wisdom and power is, and that's the Bible. But it's not just the Bible. It's the Bible preached 
by somebody who believes it, and eventually, I hope, you're preaching it to yourself. So there are no second-class citizens. Don't ever let anybody condescend it to you, but you make sure you're not condescending to somebody else. My job is no more important than yours. I tell the people in Cuba. I tell the people in the prisons. I am not more... We're on an equal plane in heaven. Your gift. You've all been given a gift. Get stronger. Get better at it. Whatever it is that you're good at, get better at it. Just get better at it. You can get better at it. And that's what these prayers were for. Ask for capacity. Keep learning. Keep growing. Don't ever just stop. Don't stop. If you get tired, rest. Don't quit. If you get tired, rest. Don't quit. So begin to give yourself to your gift. Okay? I've been giving myself to my ability to bring teams together. And that's really what I'm doing everywhere I go. I only see it as one team. This Hebronville Church, prisons, Cuba, New York, intellectual property community. It's all one team. It's God's team. And God draws the people, the ones out, that then I'll take them to the next level. Number five, after you give yourself to your gift and you develop it, this becomes very important. Refuse to be offended. Refuse to be offended. We all know that what kicks us out of churches, what kicks us out of our calling, our purpose, is when we allow somebody to say something to us that hurts our feelings, that we don't think they have a right to say. your gift out there, people are going to criticize you. So you got to know right away, refuse to, be, refuse to be offended. Now, this group in here needs to learn to see this. And so I'm preaching this because now it's kind of like it's in the handbook, so to speak. Because you're going to come and you're going to say to the pastor, oh, pastor, you know, I just don't feel, and he's going to say, remember Pastor Dan said refuse to be offended. See, that gives you permission not to be offended. How many of you know that you like to sometimes take the offense? Because you feel justified in that. You hurt my feelings. You're wrong. I'm right. I'm going to be offended. And now I'm going to what? Withhold myself. I'm going to withdraw. Refuse to be offended. Okay, we could teach on that all afternoon. Number six, speak well of each other. You don't get to tear each other down. That's not your gift you get to speak well of each other. Somebody comes to you and says, hey, so-and-so and so-and-so did this, this, and that. And if they're a member of this church and you're working together on a team, your first thought is, I don't, I, you know, I'm not going to take your, your, uh, your word at, at uh, face value. Because in our church, first of all, you're violating rule number six, speak well of each other. Now, if, if that person offended you in some way, Refuse to take offense. Right? So now you're working the principles. You're working right, right with them. I'm not saying that we don't need to have a conversation. I'm just saying that I'm not going to just repeat what you said all over the nation. I'm going to go and figure out what's going on. I'm going to speak well of this person. That's my job. Okay? Number seven is don't quit people, but let people quit you. That means this comes out of uh, John 15. I am the true vine. My father is the husbandman. 
Every branch of me that doesn't bear fruit shall be cut off. Notice that is God's not just randomly cutting people off. It's people that refuse to grow and bear fruit. I'm not going to keep pouring into somebody who refuses to adopt. We win, let's play. We're all called to do something great. There's no such thing as a second-class citizen. That they, don't, they refuse to develop their own gifts. They're easily offended, so they won't, they won't refuse to be offended, and they won't speak well of each other. People, people quit you, and you got to, and the, here's the thing. Don't curse them when they go. You just adopt my favorite phrase, which is when they quit you, they start pulling out of being part of the team, being part of the faithful, committed, poured-out group. You just say, drive safe. Because you don't have time to try to get them back in a productive place. And believe me, as long as you're being productive, they're not going to be anywhere around. Drive safe. Honestly, when people get to that place, when I'm working on something and I'm poured out and I'm going strong, they're doing me a favor. Because the worst thing I can have is somebody standing next to me who I think is working who refuses to work. And all it's doing is I'm doing twice the work. I'm doing their work. I'm doing my work. I'd rather, and then i got to feed them at lunchtime too. But you don't want them around, so just drive safe. Peace. Okay? Number eight is fathers teach. No, teachers teach, but fathers teach love and stay. Teachers, Bible says that you'll have 10,000 teachers, but very few fathers. The difference between a teacher is he'll give you information. And this is something that you've got to know from the pulpit, too. They'll come in, they'll have this amazing message, they'll have written a book, they'll have a, a, a cool idea, but they just teach you, and then they kind of leave. Because the idea is, just get the information, I hope it helps you, God bless you, see you. That's not how a father teaches. A father. Only teaches you the material. You become a good father someday. A teacher, if you get a D, they blame you. They don't take the blame themselves. I gave you the material, whatever. A father takes personal responsibility. When my daughter was growing up, she thought she wanted to be a writer, a journalist. But then all of a sudden, one day, she turned on a dime, and she said she wanted to be a doctor. I didn't care. You want to be a journalist? That's fine with me. I'm going to support you with all my life. She certainly said she didn't want to be a preacher. I said, that's fine. You want to be a doctor? I'll support you. I'm in. If she had changed her mind later, hopefully not after med school, after I've supported her so much money every year, but the point is, I'm still with her. We're still growing together. Fathers teach, yes, like a teacher, but then they stay. They stay. They come back, and they love. When, when Pastor Kelvin said, hey, I want you to go to Cuba with me. We were down in the Navajo Nation. I understand these principles that I'm teaching you today. To do a work like Cuba, you don't just, yeah, let me go to Cuba and lay on the beach and hang out. You know, maybe hear some good music. Who knows? You know? No, you're, you're committing. You're committing possibly for a lifetime. So I said to Kelvin, I said, what you should say before you commit to anything, is I don't even know if I want to be with you five minutes, so let's at least hang out. 
You come to my church, I'll go to your church, let's go get a cup of coffee, let's, find, let's ride a motorcycle together, let's go shoot a gun, let's go play golf, let's just see if we like each other. Because, you know, this is, I don't want this to be miserable. Because, you know, you meet somebody in a random place like the Navajo Nation, but it's not random because I believe wherever I am, God wants me there. So I'm here, God wants me here. But it's a long-term thing. Fathers stay. And they love. So that's what you want to see. And I said that to the leaders last night. It's good to see a lot of familiar, familiar places here, faces here tonight. Good to see you. Good to see that consistency. Number nine, if that was Father's Teach, number nine is everything we need is in God. And that's back to the point before. If you pour yourself out, he'll pour, he'll pour back in. But try not to look to people. Let God speak to those people. Because I believe in order to do what we're called to do in Cuba or anywhere else, and I, I talk about this with Yoel and with Kelvin all the time, this is not something that's coming from me. This is something that's coming from God through people I know that are seeing what we're doing. All I do is tell them what we're doing, and then they get involved. God speaks to them. Because it's not coming out of my pocket. It's coming out of my relationships. It's coming out of my connection to the vine. It's coming out of the body of Christ. Because everything we need is in the body. But you've got to be connected to the body. If you're, if you're just taken from the body, you're not connected to the body. You've got to be making a deposit to, 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 to make a withdrawal. You've got to be pouring out to be able to receive. So how do you do that? You volunteer at church. How do you do that? You work these, so far, nine principles, right? You work these nine principles. Okay, now we'll go to number 10. Number 10 is you've got to make your supply available now. Make your supply available now. Because a lot of people are like, well, I'll wait till I get my, my degree from some culinary institute. Well, if you have a desire, just start cooking now. Start helping people now. Start making some meals around here once in a while now. Make your supply available to the body of Christ now because your resources are coming from you being obedient to your calling. Oh, I want to go be a doctor like my daughter. Oh, I want to go be a dentist. That's great. That's great. But make sure the floodgates are open from God. You'll be a better doctor with the supply that's coming from God. So if you make your supply available now, even though you may not feel it's that much or that polished, just make it available. It'll get more polished and God will multiply. Number 11, you've got to learn how to encourage yourself. My biggest pet peeve is wherever I go, all they want me to do is encourage them. They, won't, they haven't been doing anything since the last time I was there. And they, well, Pastor Dan, I just lost my mojo. I lost my energy. But every time you come here, I can usually do stuff for maybe three or four days after you come. I mean, I got to encourage myself every day. I was telling, I'm feeling pretty poured out right now. But how do how do I re? How do I encourage myself? How do I keep the energy? How do I stay positive? How do I do that? When I feel a little poured out, my natural tendency is to pull back a little bit. But I've learned that I've got to finish the breath all the way out to the end and continue to pour because that's when it opens up the pipe for him to flow back in. 
If I haven't given it all, then he's not going to give the quality of resource that I need. You've got to learn how to encourage yourself. One of the ways to do that is by meditating and, and just praising God as much as possible. Now, he's been able, he, he's been there for me before, and you rehearse all the victories from the past. And you just encourage yourself. That word courage is the Hebrew word ruach, which is the same word for spirit, which is the same word for breath. If you lose your breath, you can't do anything. If you lose your courage, you can't do anything. If you lose your spirit, the spirit, your, your desire, you can't do anything. So you've got to learn to inspirit yourself, encourage yourself, in breath yourself. And so if you've got breath, you've got courage. No, I don't, I, I'm scared. No, no, no. You've got breath. And how do you, by faith, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. By faith, we win, let's play. By faith, I refuse to be offended. By faith, I'm going to make my supply available. By faith, understand? Now, these principles I'm teaching everywhere I go into the greater body which you're connected to. So know that they're being taught to make their supply available now. They're being taught to encourage themselves. Now, I know you're going through stuff. I know that sometimes life gets hard. And when I go to Cuba, life is hard. The only people in Cuba that are eating right now are going to the church that you're supporting. 800 people every day eating in that church. And all around, you wonder why there's a revival in this church, and it's five times bigger than it was when we were there. And it's going to be five times bigger than that. And it's... Right? But I trust because just as my wife used to also... She, I go, she goes, I want a new house. And we, she'd go out looking and she's looking at six, seven-bedroom houses. I'm like, we don't need a six or seven-bedroom house. But then the Lord spoke to me, well, if I, if I give you the money to pay for it, Will you let her have it? I said, absolutely. So she has a big car, big house, big guy. She has big everything. And it doesn't bother me anymore. Because if, if you see my wife, people get annoyed. She's wearing David Yerman from here to here. I'm like, what? A... People are like, well, what does she need all that for? Well, she's just putting a demand on her husband's faith. She's trying to break down our poverty mentality. See, God is able. When you start really following the Lord, he's going to resource you like you ain't never been resourced before. But you've got to understand these principles. And the final one, number 12, forgive and be forgiven often. Your faith won't work without forgiveness. Faith won't work without forgiveness. Now, I've walked you through exercises for your carnal mind if you have ears to hear. I walked you through a meditation of the nine fruits of the Spirit. I walked you two, through two prayers in the book of Ephesians where you're praying for capacity. Pray those two prayers first person. Those prayers are written, Paul is praying for the church at Ephesus. But when you pray it, you pray, I receive for myself enlightenment. I receive the love of God, the knowledge of the love of God. I receive revelation. I receive capacity. Pray it first person. Amen? And do it every day. 
Do it every day because you need greater capacity to do what you're called to do. And it is fun. It is fun to have greater capacity. It's fun to give more. I mean, I said this in front of my church, and my, even my wife almost, she did reprimand me just a little bit. I said, it feels really good to go to Mexico, not Mexico, to go to Cuba and be able to say yes every time that pastor asks for something. She said, you just said that out loud. I can guarantee you they're watching that on TV. <laughs> you don't know what you just set yourself up for. But that's how God is. He wants to say yes to us all the time. I'm just getting to a place. I'm just getting to a place. See, I counted an honor to sow seed into this church. I counted an honor to sow seed into that work. But it's, I'm reaping far more benefits because I wasn't born for that project. That project was born for me, for my capacity, for my freedom, for my generosity, for my ability, for my enjoyment. And when you start realizing this, you're going to understand why I walk up to you and I might say to you, you having fun yet? Because most people are walking around in their misery and Pastor Dan is dancing all the time. I'm having fun. I'm having fun. Oh, yeah, but you just did this, this, and that. Aren't you, aren't you worried about that? Aren't you worried about losing everything? Aren't you worried about the government just stealing everything? God's got more where that came from. God's got more than that, you know. It's really free. It's really free. And so then I walked you through those two prayers, the, nine, the meditation of the nine. I receive love. I receive joy. I receive peace. I receive the ability to put up with weirdos in my church. I receive, <laughs> that's what long-suffering is. I receive compassion. I receive generosity. I receive faithfulness. I receive humility. Humility is not standing in the corner. Humility is the ability to believe what the Word says about me. That means if I could do all things through Christ who strengthens me, that's true. If I believe that he sent his Word and he heals me, then that's true. Then I'm going to live on that. If I, I believe that he is able to make all grace abound towards me so that I can give to every good work in all circumstances... If the Bible says that about me, I believe it. And that's humility. Because when I submit myself to God, I'm submitting myself to what he says about me. That's, that'll change your thinking. And then self-control. Oh, I can't help it. You can help it. But it's, you can't help it by trying not to do something. The way that you break your bad habits is just by making good new ones. Instead of watching a lot of TV... Think about and plan your next act of kindness for somebody. Help somebody to break through. Develop this message that I, that this message, let this message be in you that was in the elders, this message of freedom, this message of empowerment. Amen? So that's what those fruits of the Spirit. And then the 12 simple thoughts, those, these are team-building team thoughts that are one-liners that are quick. When somebody comes up to you and they're all mopey-faced, you say, hey, you haven't been encouraging yourself. They say, oh, somebody, did. well, forgive, forgive and be forgiven often. You know, hey, I can't really help this week. Hey, you're supposed to make your supply available now. It becomes good team building stuff. It'll work at work. 
There's not even one scriptural reference in all 12 simple thoughts. So you can use it even though it's all scripturally based. Yo, 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 we don't do that. We speak well of each other around here. Hey, it's really great that you're, you're doing that. What are you doing to get better at it? Are you developing your own gift? Don't be checking out. There's no such thing as a second-class citizen. We're all called to do something great, but you can't do it by yourself. Let me help you. And remember, we win. Let's play. Give the Lord a hand clap. Father, I release the anointing over this group right now. I thank you, Lord, that this church, every single person who came today, and every single person who's going to hear this message from somebody who came today, is receiving the strength. I release breakthrough for you physically. Some of you need healing in your body. Say, I receive it. Some of you need, need strength in the physical realm to overcome some habits so you can get in better shape in some capacity. Amen? Some of you have joints and different things that need to be rehabbed. Hallelujah. I release that anointing. Lose weight. Release that anointing. Amen. Mentally, I just release the anointing right now for you to learn what you know you've been needing to learn and you just haven't been able to get it done. I'm releasing that anointing for you right now in the name of Yeshua. Emotionally, your heartbreaks are being healed right now. Some of you just are having so many bad dreams right now. I'm just, I rebuke those familiar spirits. No more bad dreams. No more bad dreams in Yeshua's name. No more bad daydreams. No more whirlpooling depression. None of that's going to stay on you anymore in the name of Yeshua. Say, I receive it. 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 Amen. Socially, your relationships are going to be healed. Old friends coming back into your life. Some, when I say relationships are going to be healed, some of you have people you got to let go right now. Let them go for now. Don't quit them, but let them. They've already quit you. You know it. They're stealing from you. Every time you talk to them, they're yelling at you. Let them go. Just let them go. Drive safe. Drive safe. Drive. God's going to restore. He's going to restore people into your life. He's going to bring people back. They're going to be changed, and they're going to operate. You're going to have tools now to be able to stand up against their bad habits and their toxicity. I release the anointing. Financially, I call money into your house right now in the name of Yeshua. Finances coming to you. New streams, streams of income. Not just a job, but other ways to make money in the name of Yeshua. And bring it in. Bring it in. Money, just men giving in to you. Debts being wiped out. Now, one of the things I like to say to people in the financial realm, if you receive this, I want you to do me a favor. Just agree with me right now that you will add no more credit card debt. You won't take out any more loans. I just want to release to you right now, say, I receive debt cancellation. See, you can't add more debt when you're trying to receive a miracle for debt cancellation. Would you agree with me on that? Most importantly now, spirit life. I release now the ability or the desire to pray more. The desire to serve at church more. The desire to give at church more. And the desire to fast 
your own plans, your own thoughts, and your own actions and start to really ask God on a regular basis, seek God on a regular basis, and knock until you get the answer. What is it that you're supposed to do? I'm telling you right now, if you ask that question, he's going to tell you, I will tell you if you start really volunteering at Faithway and you get over there, you'll see little by little why that's important and it'll start opening up to you bigger and bigger opportunities for you and more resources for you. So I release that right now in the name of Yeshua. All you got to do is say, I receive it. I receive it. Spirit, I'm laying hands on every one of you. I'm releasing the anointing. I'm imparting it right now in Yeshua's name. Amen. Pastor Kelvin. Well, did you get something out of this morning? Let's give the Lord a big hand clap and thank Pastor Dan. I'll get you. I'll get you guys out of here pretty quick. I just wanted to say a couple points. Um, first of all, thanks, Dan, for coming and being part of our family. You know, I just wanted to say something about this guy, and I don't try to condense it, but in ministry, I know a lot of people. I know a lot of pastors and, you know, good people, good connections over 30 years. We've built, you know, relationships. But, you know, you find out what people are made out of or where they stand with you especially when you go through, like, difficult seasons, right? That's when you find out where everybody's at. And Pastor Dan's one of the people that probably the top person of, I'm going to go down a list. I'm not going to say names, but of ministerial friends, there's three out of probably hundreds, as you would know, that we know. Three. Him, one of them, Nelson Bennett, the other one, and Gabriel Borja from Mexico. That well, my pastor, Pastor Odell, you know, he's always checking on me, make sure I'm saved, which is good. Um, there, there, you know, I've, I've lots of ministries that I know of, and people have my phone number and cell phone number. They're the only ones that, that are on top of it. Not only that, he is a partner. When I when I remember I told you guys maybe last week we were talking about how the money flows here, and we, you know we're not associated to any big organization. You know we're not part of the Baptist convention, so everything that happens happens in house. Everything we do, whatever we've done in the world, in Ukraine, in Cuba, Navajo Nation, Mexico, all the things we've done over the years, has been primarily in-house and very few, and, and you know, I can count them with a hand, with maybe two hands at this point, um, people that are partnered with us from other places. You know, people watch us online. We got, there's a few partners I don't even know. They, they like what we do. They listen to us. But it's a, you know, it's a handful of people. But one of those partners, here people, I'm, I'm going somewhere with this is faith exchange and not only is faith exchange one of the partners that's that, that, that sends money to this ministry from all the exterior partnership i'm talking about people that you know support this work they are way over the top in the amount they give i mean and i'm not gonna doesn't matter you know i'm gonna say dollars and cents but this is the kind of character this man has and you know he comes here and we are going to bless him not because he needs it you know, and hopefully we can give an offering, if not the same or more so, than what he just gives every month to this church. Every month. Kind of like, like I mean, he's got an auto. That, you know, so what he said, well, you know, Pastor, here we are. You know, here's a guy from Manhattan. Yeah, but here's the thing. You connect to the anointing. 
And I can't, you know, if, if, if something I've seen of Tan, that God has gifted him because he trusts him to move lots of money beyond our ability. That's why God joined us. You know, God had me already in Cuba, had me doing things, but we were limited. And God said, it's time to grow. And you can't grow by yourself. So, of course, God would put us in the desert in the middle of the Navajo Nation. And that's where the conversation started. You know, it started in a convention. It started in one of those weird random places. He didn't know who I was. I knew who he was. You know, I was, you know, he thought I was just a sound guy, which I was. I was there. That's what I was doing, right? I mean, I was running sound. You know, and because of that partnership, and, and every piece is important, like, and we've had this conversation, you know, we can't do what we do in Cuba without Yoel. Yoel is the, the guy that runs everything. He's the one that puts up with the, the hell, because it is hell down there. And I have an ability, because I've been working missions all my life, you know, all my ministerial life, I understand culture, I can fit in, and that's why I can carry on, you know, a ministry with Ukrainian people that have a completely different cultural mindset than the Cuban people, that have a completely different cultural mindset than the Mexican people, that have a completely cultural mindset than the Navajo people. That's the gift that I have. That's my anointing, and he has seen it. And I can manage stuff. And I can make people get in rhythm. I can make people do what they do. And that is my gift. But then he has a gift. This is where you're going to come in. Where when the vision needs to be funded... And I'm not talking hundreds of dollars because there is no hundreds of dollars in Cuba. There's no, when was the last time they asked you for anything with two zeros? Never. You know, everything comes with three zeros attached to it. But, you know, if you're called to do it, then God's going to provide it, right? So here's where you come in. You know, he has that. And, and I could, I was going to give scripture and all that, but then, you know, the clock's gone. So, but if you think about in the Old Testament, some of the stories, of course, the train would come in at 12. And how... You know, one story, and I'm not even over the Bible, just, you know it. This widow is starving to death. And she has enough food for her last meal. I mean, this is like basically, well, once we eat this, we're just going to roll up, go to sleep and die. Her and her son, this is it. There's nothing left. Your last whatever it is. There's no future. There's no destiny. You eat the meal, you die. And then here comes a preacher. It says, okay, I get it. You're going to die. But before you eat your last meal, give me some of it. Man, if that hit the news today, well, it does. You know, oh, great prosperity preacher taking money from the poor. That would be all over the CNN and everybody else because here comes Elisha. You know, here's a dying woman. And look at this preacher. My God, he took her last piece of bread. Oh, my Lord. It's all over the, all over the, the news. But the thing that happens is he needed her to connect to that anointing of abundance because once she obeyed she said you know what I guess I'm going to die but I'm going to do it as you say guess what long story sermon I'm not going to preach that woman had no lack the, the flow came into her life which was which is counter to our natural thinking because our natural thinking is if I'm broke the, the most stupid thing I can do is give it away that's natural thinking, which in the natural is because if you give away to something that has no life, if you give away to an institution, you'll say, well, I'm going to give my money, you know, to whatever. But when you are sowing into something that's spirit, and, and you know, so I, was, I wasn't using all the scripture, but I'm going to use this scripture, you end up at this place. And this is where people like Dan Stratton that get it, and, and, and you know, if you understand what I'm saying, then you get it and you connect to it. Because here's what, here's what happened. You know, we, we're going to pick up an offering for him. We're going to sow it. We're going to believe. 
He's going to be blessed. We're going to believe that now we've connected. But, you know, throughout the year, he's going to, whatever you give him, you know, unless it's something incredibly amazing that the church has never done, which could be, unless something comes with like six zeros in the offering today, he's going to give it all back and then some to this church. Are you, are you listening to this? So it's not about are we giving money. It's we are moving in our obedience because this is about honor now. It's not about if the guy has money or not. This is about do we honor not only the man of God, do we honor the anointing? And, and you know, we know the church has been through these bumps and bruises, and we're, we've got to get back with our partnership with Cuba, you know, where there's partners and um, pastors that are dependent from our giving and a lot of things are going on. But we have to connect back to that rhythm. So, so this is like a great opportunity. And I want you to really look into your heart about how you do this this morning. So we know we're only going to pick up one offering. We're not going to do these offerings. But if you only brought one offering, you need to put it in the speaker. Or if you do it online, you guys can put the online information on the screen. You tag it, and every you know, and we're going to sow this all into his ministry. But I want you to sow it with this in mind. And you know, we talked a lot, little bit about, about this um, last Sunday. If you want to open it, Second Corinthians nine. But I just want to pull out one scripture. Well, maybe two. So. This is a passion translation, so it's, you know, more modern translation. It says, verse 6, 2 Corinthians 9, verse 6, says, here's my point. A stingy sower will reap a meager harvest, but the one who sows from generous spirit will reap an abundant harvest. Well, you know, that's a simple principle of what you sow is what you get, right? But here's what I want you to understand about everything that this church is called to do, because we're not just called to have a church in heaven, but God bless you guys for being, we're called to, you know, bigger, better major issues. Here's where it comes in. Here's where you come. Listen to verse 7. Let giving flow from your heart, not from a sense of religious duty. Please don't give out of, uh, I guess we got to give because, you know, that's what we're supposed to. No. Put it, put it away if that's your attitude. I'm serious. Don't let it come from religious duty. Then he goes on to say, let it spring up freely from the joy of giving I love this. All because God loves a hilarious generosity. You know what hilarious is? When, when somebody can't stop laughing. You guys look like you're on jury duty right now. Like, can we go home now? When's the last time you were like, we're going to pick up an offering? Ah, oh, my God, this is so exciting. You're like, Pastor, you're not even making this laugh right now. You know why it is? Because it is, it is the attitude towards it. It's not about the money. It's the attitude. Because when you're getting the word and Pastor Dan was preaching, amen, and we're receiving... But then sometimes when we move into like, oh, no, they're messing with my world, my money stuff. Well, first of all, it's first of all, it's a symptom of fear, because if you think if you believe in this God is awesome and big and huge and can do whatever. Why? Why are you so afraid that, he, that you know, you're going to go broke because you drop 100 bucks in the bucket? Oh, it's because my God cannot supply all my needs. He can supply everybody else's needs, but he cannot supply all my needs according to his riches and glory. That's not what the Bible says. But it says my God can and will supply. But you see, the principle is always, if you don't do, then, then you never get the benefit. You never, that's why he says, you know, he who sows, you know, the measure is what's going to come back. But not only the measure, it's the attitude under the measure. So, you know, I don't want to preach all this, but have your attitude because this is about joy. And you should be able to give to the point where you connect your joy. It's never about the amount. It's never about the zeros. It's where is the joy about what you're doing. Because you're looking at a dollar, you're looking at $20, $100, $1,000, whatever, it transforms into people's lives. That's all it is. You know, does Dan need the money to go to Cuba? I mean, he get, he'll get to Cuba with or without this offering. Hello? But now we get to connect to whatever he did. You know, I talked to, he, they just got back, you know, and I talked to Yoed, 
and what they did was amazing and the word they gave on Saturday he, he just talked to me about it so as I support him guess what I am part of that movement you know, going back to that one thing, you know, I, got, I need to get by, but the one thing that Dan said, you know, wrapping up into the oneness, our oneness is that part. You know, if maybe I can't get to Cuba, but if I put five bucks in the, in the offering, if I put 500, whatever it is, I am there. I am doing the work that I was called to do. Not, I can't get on a plane and go, I can't do it, but I am there. That's the partnership that Paul was referring to in 2 Corinthians. He says, hey, Corinthians, you know, your brother's in Jerusalem, need some help. That whole letter was about, you know, humanitarian relief to Jerusalem, to the church. And that's the whole thing it is, you know, if you want the history behind it. So, you know, consider that when you give. You know, don't, don't ever give because somebody has money or doesn't have money. Or we just give to this, you know, this little church because they need all the help. Yeah, sometimes you wonder maybe why they need all the help. Maybe they're not doing everything appropriately. No, I want to get behind the people that are making a difference. That's what I want to get. And, and Faith Exchange, you know, those of you, Yanis, the team. You know, last time you guys walked in that building and there was air conditioning. How cool was that after we sweated how many pounds of liquid in that building? Well, you know, Faith Exchange did about 90% of that. You know, we, we did our part, but they covered most of it. That's the kind of stuff we're involved in. Amen. So this is a, the kind of person you have in front of you. Not only is he, a, he's not a, not a guest speaker, he's, he's family, he's a friend. And I feel honored. I really feel honored that he still even considers running around with me. So God bless you. So do what you got to do. There's an envelope next to you. And if you would stand with me, I will let you get home and get some lunch. And again, um, hey, Caleb, you found a good hand. Way back. <laughs> it's good to see everybody. If you're here for the first time, um, stop by the Welcome Center. They'll have something for you there. We're glad you're here. And again, we're, um, you know, school started, I think. Where's Lauro? Are we praying for the children? Or I know there was one of them. Somebody check on Lauro. I was told. Okay. Five, four. If he doesn't show up, then we're not going to. Somebody check with Lauro about the kids. Because they had mentioned something. School starts Monday for um, WebCISD. So we want to go ahead and pray for the children and pray for the school year. In a few weeks, of course, Jim Hogg is happening. Are they going to come? Okay. Search. What's that, Nora? Okay. Yeah, just, just, just remain standing. What we're going to do is we're going to bless the kids, you know, and in the times that we're living to today, you know, we really need to, every day you pray for those kids. Every day you bless them, bless the school, pray for the staff, the teachers, you know, that they do their job. And then parents, you do your job. So glory to God. Some and we want to thank, um, of course, Laudo, Angie, everyone that works with our children. But you know, let's not, you know, we have these kids here that just represents all the children that will be in the school this year, amen. So, Father, we just thank you, Lord, as, as school starts tomorrow for WebCISD. I just thank you, these children that are here, 
Lord, and a lot of them are part of that school system, that I just speak the blessing of God over them, Lord. And we just thank you, Lord, that no weapon formed against them will prosper and that every road trip, every traveling, every bus trip, Father, will be safe. There will be no tragedies or no surprises in our school year, Father. We pray for the staff. We pray for the administration, down to the people that work, the janitors, that, Father, our school systems are safe. We speak life over it. We speak covenant protection. There will be no, no none of these crazy stuff of shootings and all that stuff. That stuff does not touch our community, does not touch Evernville, does not touch Bruni. Father, because we speak life and we declare that our school systems are governed and observed by you, Holy Spirit. And these kids are safe and they will go in this thing and they represent all our children, not only for WebCISD, for Jim Hub County as they get in the next few weeks. And I just thank you that this year will be a year of peace over every one of them in Jesus' name. Everybody said, amen. All right. Well, with that, thank you guys. You are all dismissed. God bless you. And we'll see you all next Sunday.